you go from just looking at something like a bunch of squiggly lines or a bunch of bulging 3d shapes and that it's that point when it goes from that to oh i see it that's yep. like i know what you i know what it is yeah. and then you get that that hit that dopamine hit i see yep. it. <laughs> that's, like, that's why i'm obsessed like that's when like when i'm drawn when it goes from like the sketch to like where oh you see where the final lines are gonna be i love that feeling that's what that's what i'm chasing that's my dragon Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Ben Stokes at BennyBeats111 on Twitter. Today, we talk about art and artistic styles, DMing for your DM, custom loot and encounters, the love and horror of gas station food, and so much more. If you want to hear a bonus episode with Ben after the main episode is done, or you just want to support the podcast in general to help fund future endeavors, consider making a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get access to exclusive bonus minisodes every week that range in length from 15 minutes to full-length bonus episodes, as well as the entire back catalog of previous bonus content. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5. So if you enjoy our conversation today, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on with the conversation. Welcome. Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. And as I said in the intro, we are joined today at the Dungeons and Dinners table by Ben Stokes at BennyBeats111 on Twitter. Ben, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Dude, I'm actually been pretty stoked. This one, where uh, where we kind of live in in mutual areas, so there's there's some small world, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> and... This isn't the first time either that it's happened to me. Meeting, meeting <laughs> wow. someone yeah, on the I... internet that happens to live in Missouri. There's been a I've I've caught a couple that have lived close by, or like I think the weirder one is not when they live here, but when they're familiar with the area. Like, like they, they don't live here anymore, but they've either traveled here or have family here or used to live here. For some reason, that always just hits me a little bit different. Yeah, I meet a lot of people here that are like close to where I'm from in Michigan. Oh, yeah. This, these two states have some weird connection. I'm telling but, you, it's weird. I, I think that I think that this state has a connection with like, it's just so central yeah, that like true. it's it's hard for me to move away because I have friends like East Coast, West Coast, North and South, and yeah, it's like right in the middle. Yeah, it's a good plane tickets me. are just cheaper from here. <laughs> like if I go live on the West Coast, then if I want to go to North Carolina, that's a that's a grip. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I also have to completely go off the rails right at the get go. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, cool. I like I like your style. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I uh, your your website, thebenstokes.com, The like the leading two images. The second one is a don't starve homage. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It is. I love <laughs> like that it is a hundred percent. Like it's unmistakably. If it wasn't, I'd call you a liar. Like, it is. Um, no, I total. That's totally my unique design. hundred percent. No, I'm just kidding. I, there's a video I found on YouTube. I can't remember this girl's name, but if you YouTube like how to animate don't starve character or like don't starve idle animation or something like that, this chick breaks it down like super easy for you. I was like, Ooh, this would be cool for my little website avatar. And like, you can take that animation you make and actually like put it into the game. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask like, do you have a fully animated 
no mod. no i never no. got that far i'm too lazy to get that far <laughs> that game it was on it was it was on the ps4 like right when it came out it was one of the free games for the yep. playstation network and i yeah i got hooked on it super addicted i think a character like just came out i saw on twitter they just put a new character in I can't believe that they're still updating that game for free. Like there are DLCs, but the main game oh, still gets free. Yeah, it's a, it's got a big following, man. Still, it's pretty impressive. I love that. They do it's, a lot of good seasonal stuff. Yeah, it's it's okay. hard. It's it's a difficult game, but also like certain season. aspects. Good. Yeah, certain aspects you can kind of get in the kind of the, the feel of things, get understand the game. Once you kind of get there, then you can yeah. maintain for a while. It's just the stakes are always so high. That's why mm-hmm. I love. I like. I got a gambling impulse in me, and it's like <laughs> that whole game is like, do you risk it? Yep. Do you do you go out without without enough gear because you really want that that item from a cave or something? Like, yeah. You, we, no. The the funny the biggest gamble is when you're looking to where you want to put your base in the beginning. And yeah, like, right. You're like day eight, nine. The wolves are coming. They're and coming, you're, and you're just still hauling in the dark. Like, <laughs> oh no! I need <laughs> to find gold. I gotta find a good yeah. source of gold. Gears. Where are the gears? Yup. I need my gears. I gotta. Oh find man, it. we gotta There's play some pieces. Dude. Yeah, I'd no, be down. I haven't, I haven't played been, in a while. It's one of those games that I play like once every two to three years now. Where and like you get like and you play it for like a week straight. Right. Oh yeah, I just yeah. get sucked in real. Like I've never fully beaten it. I've never fully beaten the game. I um, are you talking about like you run through that door and so I haven't done I haven't fully beaten the story mode I where have. you do like the same world seven or the seven worlds or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I oh my man, I remember doing that. <laughs> it so hard. It was and then so I hard. haven't I haven't beaten the like shadow boss guy that's at I haven't, the end of the I, cave. I haven't I haven't done that. I haven't done any of like the ruins things. Yeah, a couple of my buddies got to him. And kept trying it like we and I was playing with them and we played for like a month straight and then I dipped out. They got to him and kept being calling me up like, dude, we can't do it with two. We need three. And I'm just like, I can't like when I burn out of Don't Starve, I can't. I'm done. It is I hard. Will not to, touch it. <laughs> I, I tried to play it like a week ago and I did. get. I, I probably played for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Like. Oh man, I just I don't know if I can commit the time. There's but a few. It, I I literally just went through that with. I'm a big Kerbal Space Program player as I've well. Now I've never played that one, but it looks pretty cool. And it it's to the point. I mean, I've played it since like beta, and it gets to the point now where I literally just installed it and then went through and pulled up like the mod list. Like I I have my I have to have mods. Yep. Got yeah, those yeah. all installed. Got the game ready. I was like, you know what? I think that's. That's it. That's the experience I needed. I don't need to launch the game. You got your dopamine. Hit. Yeah, I just needed to download <laughs> the mods. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird how things like that work. So uh, let's, let's kind of steer the course back here a bit right, for the uninitiated. Um, uh, so this is a this is not a video game podcast. This is a D&D and food podcast. So for the uninitiated um who is ben stokes and what do you do in the ttrpg space um yeah i mean i'm an illustrator i'm a graphic designer um i've been playing D for probably three or four years now and i've been a dm for about a year um and it's been really fun especially coming from that kind of designer background it's really fun to I, I made I make pre I do pre made quests. We're doing Storm King's Thunder right now. 
um, because I'm still so new to the game. It's really fun for me to learn the lore and the factions and everything going on in D&D as I'm like prepping this game for these people I play with. One of them is was my DM who got me into the game, and he's one of those guys who like knows all the rules. So it's like whenever like he's like my uh, support, right? Whenever there's like a question, and then everyone else is their first time um, playing as well. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, kind of uh, from the designer standpoint. Like I was saying a second ago, kind of prepping this stuff, and then what, like thinking about how they're gonna handle it, you know, and then seeing how they actually do, which. I'm sure everyone who plays D and D knows, or is a DM knows, it never goes never. how you imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's where you learn real fast to not plan for everything that could happen because you'll still be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we play with like a lot of maps and stuff, so there's kind of that. It's one of those games where it's that um, kind of unwritten but like rule where like we'll all play along and kind of go to where we have prepared. But I try to prepare like two or three different places they could go or at least give them the illusion of choice that they're choosing right. where they're going. <laughs> That's my favorite one to do. Yep. <laughs> I have a thing prepared. And if you, no matter which way you go, I'm probably going to drop it right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, it's been cool getting into that. I mean, D and D has always been something I've known about, but just have never had anyone in my circles playing it right um and then i think i think i really started to get curious about it four or five years ago seeing like uh i think the penny arcade guys was the, mm -hmm. my first exposure to a game like watching a game and i was like wow there's like a lot of stuff going on it's not as i always had this stigma that it was super hard but it right? didn't seem that hard like watching these guys play because like i think the i think it's just that there's so many rules but I mean, you don't have to use any of the rules now. That's, like the, the, see, that's the, secret, the secret is that yeah. you don't need any rules. <laughs> yeah. Like once you get past that, it's like it's super easy. You just roll. So what dice. brought you in then? What brought me into play? Yeah. Um, to, I just to, like I, play your first game. Um, I, I just eventually met um, some people living here for a while. Uh, just friends of a friend. Eventually met a guy who played a lot. It's the guy, my DM, who plays now. And he was like always looking for uh someone to dm for so me and a couple of my friends got together and we started playing fell in love with it and then it was like the more i kind of read about the game i was like oh i think i could do this and looking into the monsters i thought it would be kind of fun to maybe try being a dm and again like i said there's so much stuff in the world you're like where do you start when you're getting into D, &D lore and stuff well if right. you're a dm <laughs> it just lays it out for you if you buy these pre-made quests that it's like an easy way to learn right now i think that that, that pre-mades are a great way to kind of dive in and start lurking looking at things i think that my issue is just that it doesn't matter what i get involved with i instantly have i, I maybe it's just my massive ego that's like i could do that better like i could make something cooler yeah well <laughs> like, i mean like Obviously, like I add my own tweaks to it and stuff. Yeah, you, know, like you make it your own. That's what's cool about it. Um, so yeah, do you, are you throwing in like like what types of stuff do you custom make outside of like kind of the obvious like NPCs and whatnot? You probably yeah, you know, um, loots. I mean, the party whoops ass. There's five of them. It's a huge game. So yep. everything in the pre-made's like they just demolish because I mean they're not done. So I always like have to add more monsters and stuff and um 
mainly it's mainly monsters i swap out recently there was like an encounter i made uh, one of my players one of my friends he got me a, like a random encounter book and it was just full of it's full of like taverns dungeons um stuff like that and i and one of them was a bazaar and i thought that was super cool so on their way they had just finished we started with the essentials kit which is where you like have to slay a, 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 um, a young white dragon at the end yep. of it. So they, they had done that. Um, and then we kind of segued into storm King's thunder. They're like level five, level six. Nice. So they, they got a little street cred to their name cause they slayed a dragon. So they're on their way to Tribor to like get, get that stuff going. And they run into this bazaar and it was like, they all like rolled random shops and like, they got cool random things. Like one guy got like a little Raptor pet and stuff like that um so all of that i kind of just uh had to fill in the blanks so that was kind of fun and i had a whole i had a it was one of those times when you think it's gonna go one way but it goes a total opposite way i had made like a genie and i had a whole name for it it was like a pun on robin williams as a genie <laughs> nice. and they never thought like used the gene like they never ah. loved that. and it was like it was one of those times where like he rolled an antique shop and i was like oh my god i can use the lamp i now. can put it in there i put the lamp in there and so he gets it and he's like what does it look like and i was like have you ever seen the movie aladdin and then he's <laughs> like yeah and he's like it looks kind of like that and then but then it got eaten by zorn and taken from <laughs> and he never thought to use it <laughs> so it was, it was fun oh there's those sheet rip moments are like it's like i can't put another lamp in like that's too obvious i got a couple <laughs> ideas how to bring it back around maybe if they go back that way maybe a good jug maybe a vase of some sort like <laughs> yeah i'm thinking maybe the lamp melts in the stomach and then the and then it bursts out of him like an alien or something yeah there you go yeah, bam! <laughs> just genie chestburster. Yeah, that, I'm I'm gonna do it now. That sounds awesome. That's, that sounds pretty. Like they think it's the boss monster. Yeah, and then just in the middle of battle, like halfway through, no matter what happens, it just for no reason starts writhing on the floor. <laughs> yeah, they think, they, they think they've won. They're like, oh well, this was easy. That was you know we didn't even use half our stuff, and then it explodes. Yeah. And they're trapped in like tunnels or something. So it's, yeah. just, it's just like a, it's the crossover people didn't know they wanted. <laughs> they need it. Somewhere between Alien and Galaxy Quest is. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's perfect. I like that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that kind of answers the question some, but I, I still feel like I'm going to ask it a little bit anyway. Is do you do you feel like as a creative, um, what? what are you bringing in from your design background, like a graphic design background? What do you feel like in your history there uh, is applicable to being a dungeon master? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I bring a lot of skills specifically to it. Like for me, I'm illustrations, a big part of my design, right? So it, the we've, been playing this game for almost a year now so like every character i've drawn like a version of them so we we actually play on photoshop too so there's like another kind of skill from design that i've brought over i've set everything up in photoshop and then we put my computer screen on the tv right and everyone's got their tokens all the monsters got their tokens i know there's like a paid version of this you can get 
that a lot of people use that let them play online together. Um, but we play in person and it, I already had Photoshop and it was the only way I knew how to do it. So there's a lot of that. So, I mean, my illustration skills have um, been very useful to kind of make the game our own and make it fun in our own way. Um, I also have a web design background. So kind of structuring websites um, in a logical way is a, a, the same kind of way of thinking when you're kind of structuring a D&D session together. Like, all right. Well, there's we got to have these story beats maybe to make it interesting. Then they could branch off into these three different ways. You know, you kind of um, like I said earlier, you just kind of have that same mindset when you're kind of thinking about putting these things together. Have you uh, you also do some some design for like company like logo design and mm-hmm. uh, like company like custom branding and things? Have you branded either? Like, does your do your heroes have like a team that they have kind of have you helped brand them any at all? Not not a lot yet. They have a name. They're the Bane of Cryovane. That was the Ooh. dragon they killed. So that's a good one. But it is funny you mentioned that because like it's almost like a curse of kind of coming from this logo design branding background, because when I'm planning for the session, I always see a hundred things that could be like, oh, that'd be sick to make a menu and for this uh in tavern and print it off and give it to them or that would be sick if these guys had this logo i guess there was one scenario where there was a shady guy and he had uh, a logo that kind of gave him away but um that hasn't really come back it wasn't a huge deal it was just <laughs> the like, dm spent a lot of time on this particular thing yeah like it was like to be a mysterious thing but you know, it's just like it's the it's that age old like what can you get done in this amount of time? Like how right. deep can you go? How much time can I put into it this week in order I to mean, so it? that brings up an interesting question. Like I, I have a little bit of design background. I've done a little bit of logo work. Um but constraints I have found to be a huge blessing, really, when it comes to any sort of work. Yeah. is is like a time constraint means that you have to carve off all of the I wish I could I want to's and and really dive into just what can I do in this time. Uh yeah, do you find that that like working in graphic design constraints has helped you uh navigate what you are willing to put forth as options when you're building out potential encounters for D&D? Yeah. Yeah. So actually it's kind of, that's kind of like a big design philosophy of mine where you give yourself these rules and constraints. And when you think it would be constricting, it's actually the opposite. It saves you a lot of time and it kind of makes you a little more creative because it's, it's like being a student of the grid, right? If you have a solid grid in your design and you stay within that grid, you start to think creatively on how to organize all the visual elements in that grid right and that's the same with planning a D session You're like okay i have to get this done by tomorrow these are the things i want to happen and these are probably the things that might happen but probably won't what can i do to make this part really interesting and like what do i need to i think that would like they would have fun with this um and then that's the stuff that the most important things you you kind of put to the top of the priority list right so uh y- while you are running kind of uh, in in adventuring book land, right? So it's not fully homebrewed yet. Um, was your DM uh, mostly homebrew or mostly 
kind of adventure guides. He was, yeah, he's mostly homebrew. He's got all these epic long quests that he's written. Um, I think we've, I think I've gotten like halfway through one of them before. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you feel like, I mean, it just, I, and I, I guess I am kind of coming from my own perspective on this. Some is as a creative person, do you feel that creative, uh, pull more where like you've mentioned, like wanting to learn the lore of D and I think the lore of D and D is kind of infinite. Um, yeah. even, even in the standard stuff, right? Like you can, the D and D wikis that are out there include things from like the novels and the adventure guides and dragon magazine and all of the, it can just keep going. So do you feel like there is a pull that is starting to drag you towards homebrew as you get more comfortable or are you having a blast in the, the kind of more canonized material? It's definitely the longer I play, the more, I kind of put my own twist on it. I don't, I don't so much change the canon or the lore. I just kind of add stuff that wasn't in the, um, in the books that I bought. Like for example, there was one um, house they were at with the tree. I can't remember the name of the tree. It's like a blood tree or something, but it grows from the stake that was killed to use a van that was used to kill a vampire. And it grows from that. And I was like, Whoa, that's sick. And it didn't say that in the book. It just said that, it would like spawn these uh, tree needle guys. And if it was a blood moon, it would like grow back or something like that. Huh. It, had, it had nothing about this cool ass vampire. Oh, sorry. The cool vampire <laughs> backstory. So, and then like, I, I started another game with some other friends and we were playing the same uh, material and I had already set it all up in Photoshop so I could reuse it. And in that one, I was adding a bunch of random stuff that like I thought was cool or would make it better and knowing what I knew from the first time. Um, but yeah, like like I said earlier, the the pre-made stuff are like these these like paths, these like threads you can follow to learn more about the uh, lore of D&D. And I, that's, I think that's what's kind of getting me deeper into it. I think there's a really interesting parallel of so do you know much about like uh tabletop wargaming, like 40 K? I know a little bit about 40 K I've recently, it's like the same kind of YouTube rabbit hole. I recently yep. started watching a lot about it. So I think it's, there's a really interesting parallel because both of them have quote unquote, like 40 K and D and D have established lore, right? Yeah. But 40 K kind of, as much as I, I I could go on a tirade about Games Workshop and all the terrible things that they do, but <laughs> one of the things that I really respect is that there is basically kind of, it's even stated by several of the de designers that everything is canon. Even contradictory things are canon. Like the universe like is so huge and any anybody's personal story is canon. Like anybody's fan fiction is canon. Like the universe is canon. And... I think that that's really empowering for individuals that want to play with the characters and the lore in the universe. And I think that in D and D there's a very solidly written rule that it like make this game your own, right? Oh, like yeah, you're the definitely. DM, like do what you want, but then there's also kind of a little bit of like the opposite side of that pendulum swing where the canon is canon and like you can do whatever you want with it, but but that's quote unquote homebrew. But like the minute that like any player does anything in D&D, &D, you have to homebrew something because you have to react to it. 
Yeah. And so I think it's it's just such an interesting way to look like I I am a fan of the everything is canon, right? Like oh, there's yeah. no two Curse of Strahd's or Storm King's Thunders that have ever been played the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no the down to the hero selections, like at the minute you have players, you're out of quote unquote canon, right? Yeah, definitely. And it's not like and I'm never I'm never thinking like I'm a slave to it either. Like if I if I find out later that something I said totally contradicts the canon, it's like, well, it's already said. So in our little world, this is how it goes, you know, and it's just like the players kind of form what you kind of keep track of. Right. Like no one keeps track of like weight and stuff, you know, right. Like you kind of <laughs> figure that out what as you're playing, like what kind of game is going to be. And we have a kind of like we're all pretty new to it. Most of us are. So it's mostly just like a like a war simulator game, right? Like the the battles last the longest. And then I try to find ways to add in different elements, like the bizarre thing where they could like a shopping day, you know? So it kind of just who you're playing with forms, what type of game you're going to get. Yeah, I think that it's it's and I think that's the best way to play. I mean, yeah, it it becomes canon in your world. And that's why it's a great game, because I mean, like I love shows that have like a lot of lore and like digging in and like Dungeons and Dragons has a lot of lore, but you're playing with a bunch of people and you're kind of making your own lore and you're using stuff that they have already created as like that jumping point. Yeah, you're not trying to retell someone else's story. Yeah, because that would just be everybody collectively reading a, an audiobook. <laughs> it's like everyone. we'll go back to high school where we we play popcorn with Macbeth, right? Like <laughs> taking turns reading from the book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's fun because everyone's like contributing to it. It's like the, one of the greatest parts. So you've also got uh, a few other credits in your uh, in your design kind of portfolio. You uh, do an animated podcast, right? Yes, I do. It is exclusively on YouTube. It's animated. It's called the Talking Heads Podcast, um, and it's similar to this. You know, I kind of just try to talk to other creative people, um, kind of dig into their process, how they do what they do, why they do what they do, and it's animated. I get asked a lot, why is it animated? It's a podcast. I said, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not put more work on yourself than a podcast already is? A lot of people think podcasts are easy. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. I mean, I got it down pretty, pretty good to where. So it's it's talking heads because it's just the heads and they're in like it's like Futurama, like the heads in the jars. Right. Oh, nice. So nice. that yep. knocked out all, like half of, more than half of the character work because it's they're just heads. <laughs> and then I drew them in a way to where um, every different head is kind of similar in size like with the eyes and stuff. So I can just like copy and paste the animation onto the next character that I draw. Nice. And it's it's so long that like I can't preview it when i'm working on it so i just have right. like you i just go gotta go purely by keyframes <laughs> and like it takes like a day or two to uh render from my yep. computer <laughs> and it, so yeah it does it definitely adds like an extra week there's a reason why uh i don't do them frequently right <laughs> i i mean there's been uh I'm not going to say how, what percentage or anything, but there's been a number of days where I'm editing day before release. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right up against the wall. Like, I'm like, oh, well, not only do I have to edit, I have to edit the main podcast, I have to edit the Patreon episode, and then get both of them scheduled, prep the tweets. Yeah. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. Is. Into it's it. a lot of work. And then I look at, like, you look, I don't know about you, but I look at my analytics and it's like, oh, they watched it for five minutes or two yep. minutes. And yep. I was like, why, why do I? Animate? I put 48 <laughs> hours of my time. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's a reason they're called passion projects, I guess. They right? really are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I wanted to do more animating and I, I like to make podcasts too. So I was like, hey, I'll try this out. I don't see a lot of, and you see, what you do see on YouTube is like clips from other podcasts and sometimes people animate over them. So I'm like, Oh, there might be a people who might be interested in uh, watching something like the that. whole thing. Yeah. For at least five minutes. Right. <laughs> so what, what brought you like, where does your illustration background come from? What brought you into that? Oh man. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, cliche story. Just, I've always been into drawing. Um, comic books kind of rpgs stuff like that cartoons as a kid growing up i just always like to draw and i just i was one of those people who never like dropped it you know um i think what really did it was you know in high school i kind of didn't draw as much it was i was one of those kids who kind of had the addiction of filling in the whole uh columns of your of your like notes with doodles like yes. to the point where my teachers would be like, stop it, stop doing it. <laughs> like on my homework, it's just, it's just yeah, like one or two is fine, but this is getting unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. Like literally where there's no words, there's like eyes or something there. So I so like, that was like how I kept it with me. And then in my, my senior year, I took a Photoshop class and they had these little Wacom bamboo tablets. And I remember I so did amazing. Yeah. And it was my first um, experience with digital art. And I did, I remember I did a painting of Michael Jordan hitting this game winner. Like it was a, it's like that famous photo of him hitting that shot in the bulls in the finals. And like, I, I traced it, but it was like cool getting to use a, like a tablet for the first time. Right. So then I got really interested in digital art and I just kept drawing and I eventually saved up to get a really nice Wacom tablet. And then it's just, off to the races you know yeah now i the, feel like i have to justify the purchase i have to just right. keep drawing <laughs> i mean there's a like i love the bamboo the bamboo is a great tablet to start with and play with but i actually started with a i think it was a wacom 2 and i mean this was like maybe 08 ish oh, yeah. not even Way maybe back. earlier like but it, like the wacom 2 was i think the wacom 3 had just come out and uh my friend had a wacom 2 and she was like, yeah, just just use this. And in like a day, my skill just skyrocketed. I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Dude, yeah, totally. Same thing. When I made the jump from the to the LCD version. That that's I haven't like, even. Yeah, I haven't even got the, to mess it the same. Yet. It was the same thing, man. Like you're just instantly better. The tool is so it's like I remember, too. I'll never forget the first time I turned it on the there was like no parallax between the glass and the screen there it looked like there was like oh. no space and i was like <laughs> i thought i could peel it off of the, <laughs> off of the screen it looks so good it's amazing how how good they're getting 
yeah um, it's 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 one of those things where like i i will agree that the tools don't make the artist but they can oh, yeah. really help like they i can seen, really yeah. help oh yeah they, they definitely help like it's just like from a, even a standpoint of like color like i don't have to ever worry about mixing colors it's all right there no yep. markers you can re undo anything that's with the click I, of I a had, button i worked on tablets for like a good two or three years um and then went to like i don't know another two or three year break or something even and went to sketch some logo design work because i was trying to start up one random idea or another and i remember having a sketch pad in my hand and a, and a pencil and and i was on like working on the kitchen table and i was sketching some things out and i threw down like my first two or three sketch lines and my left hand twitched for control z oh man i i'm right and there you, and then man. i had like I was terrified. I was like, I can't take it back. I I put the mark on the, I have to get an eraser now. (laughs) I was literally about to tell that same story. You just told because that's (laughs) happened to me. I swear it. Yeah. It's, I think like, like there's a twitch because you just get so used, like my hand hovers over control Z. Yeah. And it's just, you just make I got a few lines a, and pull back. I got a little remote that I got them all hot keyed to. Oh, look at you. That's fancy. <laughs> Dude, I saw one before that looked like a Wii, like nunchuck. Oh, I don't doubt. And I was like, oh, I want one of those so bad. It's like. Have you done, have you gotten to do any art in VR yet? No, I have not. I've seen That is videos. the next game changer. Yeah, it looks crazy, man. Because. It, it looks crazy. Being able, like, I, and I'm. I'm very unpracticed. I don't keep up on it or anything, but I can doodle. And the first time that I had a buddy over, um, we talk about this a little bit on one of our pick up your sticks episodes where he came over. I got, I I was like, I want VR. So I got, I was needed a new computer anyway, got a new computer that could run it and got a nice like HTC index set. Right. Nice. Yeah. And there's just like, like a lobby room that you can be in that like has a few gadgets that you can mess around with some physics stuff and then you launch all your games from there and it's got a paintbrush tool that just you can have like select sphere and then select color and then i'm like i draw this line he's like what are you doing i'm like you just let me know when you figure out what i'm doing (laughs) and i like i like have to draw i want to draw a flower but i can't just draw a circle I have to draw like a sphere. Oh, so it's like sculpting. Yeah, it's it's yeah. in between sculpting and digital like art. Mm-hmm. So I like draw a circle and then I turn around and draw another circle horizontal to like make this and start. You really gotta it. think in a shape in like form. Yeah. yeah. And then and like as I'm doing it, and he just had a moment where he's like, Oh my god. Oh, you were making just like and it's just like a basic like ball flower with petals and stem and one leaf, right? Like yeah. the most basic thing that you could do. But like as I'm doing it, he's he's just saying he's like, holy crap, this is ridiculous. To... Yeah. Like that's uh that's that's just like my favorite thing about uh drawing or illustration in general. It's that point when you go from just looking at something like a bunch of squiggly lines or a bunch of bulging 3d shapes. And that it's that point when it goes from that to, Oh, I see it. That's yep. like, I know what you, I know what it is. Yeah. And then you get that, that hit, that dopamine hit. I see yep. it. That's, <laughs> like, that's why I'm obsessed. Like that's when, like when I'm drawn, when it goes from like the sketch to like where, Oh, you see where the final lines are going to be. I love that feeling. That's what, that's what I'm chasing. That's my dragon. <laughs> so like, do you, 
do you find yourself and you've done a fair amount of of commission work um yeah yeah i think so and do you do you feel like man i as somebody who has never gotten to that level who is like i'm not willing to sell my especially not my drawings most of my art i'm not willing to sell but definitely not my drawings (laughs) um i guess what where do you hit like that moment when you're working on some on something that's for somebody else is it and I'm trying to formulate, I'm not even sure which question to ask because there's a dozen different ones. Like Let's take them one by one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess outside of the money, what is, what is that moment where that you seek when you're giving a commission to somebody else? Well, I, it does feel really good when, you give it to them and they're like, Oh, I love it. This is awesome. It's better than I, th- I remember I did, I did something for this one guy and he was like, it's literally like no one could have done it better. It's better than I thought it could, it could be. And it's, it's kind of like that same kind of dopamine rush, but the, the different part about commission work, it's, it's a little bit different because it's always something that someone else wants, right? It's not something, something that i do because i want to and like that's another one of my favorite things about art in general it's like you can literally do whatever you want so it always puts a little bit more stress on you when someone's like paying you to draw them something but then it's also made me a lot it's made me a lot faster and it's made me a lot better um just because i'm drawing things that i would never draw on my own time so that's that's it's another it's a little bit more rewarding in that aspect. It's like that challenge you have to overcome. And then most of the time, I draw things that are now like my favorite um, illustrations. And I have a lot of I have a lot of funny. Um, I, I recently started taking my own reference photos, and I did I did one. Uh, it's on my Instagram, I think, where it was like it was like three D and D characters. And they all had like very specific gear that he wanted. One of them was like a, sh- a sh- the shield with the face on it. And he like sent me uh, like an expression he wanted. And it was like a worried face. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like this is how, like when I draw for fun, like this is, these are the faces I draw. This is the feeling I want. So and like that was a lot of fun. And when I took the references for those and like photoshopped them together, it's the funniest image, man. It, it makes me laugh every time I see it because it's just like me five times and all this <laughs> yeah. i think that's great though i think that like and and i think that digital art has definitely made this a lot more acceptable i think for especially growing up um i mean i graduated in 03 so you know photoshop really wasn't a thing then or nor digital tablets but like yeah. a lot of people look down on tracing and a lot of digital art and like and i i am against that mentality like tracing is art like there's yeah. so much that goes into whether you're learning to do it or like you said, taking reference photos to get the perspective right or the feel right. Like, yeah, I mean, tracing is a great way to learn I all the time when I can't I just can't get it like I can't get the form right. I always overlay my lines over my reference photo and then I can kind of warp it to look right. I'm like, oh, that's where I went wrong. It's a great learning tool. And, you know. I've, I've so surprised like how many I've seen like so many professional artists that trace like things in the background or they take photos of backgrounds and then just manipulate it in Photoshop. I mean, 
the only thing there is like if it's your own, if you're tracing like someone's comic like published work, right, and passing right. it off on your own, that's when you get in trouble. But I really think tracing people don't really care. Like, oh, you didn't actually draw that. Like, as long as it's like your reference, like I'm just using the pose, like I'm not using yeah, And and, like you could pull an image off of anywhere. And as long as like you said, as long as you're not trying to profit off of that image. But like if it's just the pose and I just want my circles for my skeleton in the right place, I'm probably not going to credit them like because or I'll just go take my own pose picture, like you said, and I'm going to photograph myself five times. Yeah, it's a it's a touchy subject. I mean, I always try to avoid tracing as much as I can. Right. Just because right. I want to learn how to draw it myself. Well, and I think it's it's similar to like and Photoshop has definitely brought this up. It's been something that's been in the the miniatures world for a long time and that translated to 3D animation really really rapidly was kit bashing. Oh, yeah. Where you just have pieces of like i'm not gonna say that i made this model out of the 28 model kits that i used to make it it's it's basically just mine and and a bunch of my own pieces but like in 3d animation stuff a lot of that happens as well where you're just you may trace the head of an axe from one person just for the shape and oh, the, yeah. you know the gold leafing from a doorway in some elven photo and you put that on your axe and like and you start layering all of these pieces at what point is it tracing and at what point is it you know would it have never existed without your creative talent yeah i mean that one um commission i was just telling you about with the D characters one of them was like a an axe from D D. I i forget what it was called and i just like traced it i simplified it and traced it but like I'm not good at drawing weapons, for example, that's something I'm learning to do. But since it was like a specific weapon from the game, I didn't feel bad about lifting the design for the axe on it. Right. Because it's supposed to be it needs to be recognizable. Yes. Yeah. I'm not claiming to have made up this design for the axe like because he was like, I want this axe. This yep. is the axe that I want from the game. I was like, all right. So have you found that? Um, is is. D&D commission work um, spark anything different than maybe, you know, people that are just looking for random OCs? Or do you feel a deeper connection to doing uh, D&D ver- work versus other types of commissions or? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't had that. I don't think I've ever had someone's like OC from anything other than D&D. Um, I think I I mean, this year is kind of when I got really into commissions i got laid off in february so i was like oh i need to pick up some extra money here and there so i was really like hey who wants commissions and they've pretty much exclusively been people that i know already except this one guy i met through facebook he wanted he was playing some D game and i forget what they uh they called themselves like the fire pugs or something and he wanted to, to say fire pugs in like the motley crew font and then it was like a demon pug that he had sent me like oh i want to like turn this into like a graphic and so it's like this pug and it and it looks like a motley crew uh album cover so that was a lot of fun he's still supposed to send me a picture of the shirt if you're listening to this guy i'm still waiting for that (laughs) for that shirt picture of you because he said hopefully not you're hopefully you're not still waiting till this by the time this comes out (laughs) yeah it's already been a while but (laughs) But yeah, I um, mean, and it was just fun getting like 
D and D, I hadn't drawn a lot of uh, fantasy characters up to that point. I'm, I, I was, it was mostly been like sci-fi up to then. Um, so it was fun kind of getting into the fantasy realm. I mean, maybe and, you got some untapped potential on Shadowrun now, you know, like <laughs> maybe who knows? I think I think it could be really cool to put out like fantasy branding, like leverage that like like if you're if your team has a team name like. Oh, yeah, totally. Like I say that every time we play, I like I pull up my price chart. I'm like, oh, I'm a uh, how, how, how we doing guys. guys? Um, they, we? Make, <laughs> they make for great presents um, to give to other people. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely always looking out for ways to stick my graphic design or illustration into the game that we play, you know, just to make it more personal for us and the player. Cause as a DM, like setting up the game is like your is when you get to play it. When the other players are actually playing, you're just kind of watching your, your work unfold. Right. Yep. Do you, do you have like a favorite, whether it be like race class or monster that you've gotten to, to work on so far? Um, yeah, the Zorn is pretty cool. I had never, that, that was one I had never seen. Um, I just thought it was cool cause it like eats valuable things off the players and they were, and they were, had just been dominating to this point. And I threw a bunch of Zorn at them and I threw too many at them and they couldn't handle it. So it was like a scenario where like they could have died, but since the Zorn were like, they just eat gold. I was like, all right, they eat all your gold and then they leave. And then they were—they were still—they were, still, were still not happy about it. it was, no, no, but like you're alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was the first time they came that close to death, so I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. And I think that makes her—I'm so torn because there's been a few discussions. It's—it's it's no secret that the five ECR system is utter garbage. Um, yeah, for I mean, judging, it's definitely the only one I've had exposure to. It's terrible though. Like, like, and three, five wasn't great, but five is, is worse. And, uh, but at the same point in time, it, if you can pull through it, it makes for those, like, I'm, I'm torn between if I had my choice between a perfect CR system where I knew exactly how likely the characters were to win or lose versus one that I basically have no idea. I honestly think that the the way that it is now is good because if I knew exactly if the par- characters lived or or died, I could be biased. Where it then is my choice whether they live or die or have a close call. And whereas if it's a fuzzy system and I don't really know where it's like, yeah, the, the internet says this should be fine and then the players are all near death that's more interesting it's that like that like chaos for the dm is important yeah yeah i'm i'm totally with you right there i mean it definitely keeps it interesting yeah and it's it's like it's it's like i need i i feel like if it was my choice i would be biased in picking whether they lived or died and i don't necessarily want that yeah like i never i don't want them to die is the thing right so like I mean it would be crazy if they got into some scenario where like they died, but once if they like get knocked unconscious and they're rolling these death saves and the last person's about to die, I have no problem saying, and then the monster walks away. <laughs> like, you know. Right. But at Unless least like, it's like trying to eat them or something. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, like, I mean I, just, I try to I try not to 
get into that mode where like I want to kill them. I never, no, I never no, think yeah, that. For sure. Which I think is like exactly why the fuzzy math is good because you could always be like, well, the math said that it was going to be fine. Like I just had some crazy rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you never know what's going to, that's, I mean, that's what, that's another fun part of like the, how anything could happen. Right. But if you want to keep playing, like if someone dies, they're not going to want to start over. Right. So yeah, there's no. some, there's some time. It just depends, you know, on the scenario, <laughs> right? Maybe someone wants to die. And then it there's can... some ways though. I, I, t- I was telling somebody else a few weeks back on, um, again, it's, it's homebrew stuff, but I've seen homebrew classes on like, uh, avenging hero is like, I, I think, I don't remember what it's, it's actually called. I'll never remember. I'll never find <laughs> it again, but it's basically like only available to a character that's died they can basically like become a ghost oh, that's and all cool. their, all their classes and levels get replaced with this class and they they retain their level and basically become like a revenant ghost kind of character whose passion and goal is tied to either how the character died or what the character's goals were in their living state. And the only way they can be fully freed is either if they die a second time or if they achieve their goal. And so they become like dead set on it. But it's like kind of a way to be like, okay, you died, but now you're a ghost that's dead set on either avenging your own death or accomplishing the like thing in your backstory that's super important to you. Yeah. Yeah. To- it's, yeah. See, like you can literally do whatever you want. I mean, you can turn, you can turn someone dying into a fun part of the game. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's fun. there's like tons of ways to to incorporate like I don't know, I think it's so cool to be able to change the narrative as it develops. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, try to stay flexible. I mean, that's I definitely try to keep that mindset while we're playing. So, it would not be remiss if uh this is this is Dungeons and Dinners. And uh, <laughs> so I would like I would like to touch at least a little bit before we end the primary episode on uh, your your history or association with food. Are you a foodie in any way? You know, I've I mean, I've always enjoyed eating food, obviously. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess most recently I've kind of started my sushi journey. Ooh. I've, I've only most recently like this year started to really get into sushi and eat it frequently. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's been kind of fun getting into that. Um, I actually want to take next time I go to a sushi restaurant, I want to take like a D twenty with me and roll it and just get some. Yeah, just like they. I mean, sushi table, sushi lists are random loot tables. They really are. Yeah, like everyone I go to, their menus are always so huge. It's like man, there's just so many choices. I never know which one to get. So it's I'm still in that phase of like everything i get i'm having it for the first time so it's, are you are you a roll guy a nigiri guy a i'm a roll guy i'm not yeah. i'm not very into sashimi um yeah i i had it once i don't really like the text i guess i need like all the other stuff around it yeah, yeah. no that's fair that's <laughs> fair i mean i i personally am mostly well and especially in the midwest i don't necessarily trust a lot of sashimi <laughs> um yeah i mean it's like fried rolls i'll trust like partially cooked at least yeah that's it's it's just based on where you're getting it right right yeah like you know when you know when a place has the good stuff yep as a but i'm not gonna sit here and say that i haven't gotten like gerb sushi 
Because <laughs> I have. I've done it. I've done it. Well, yeah. I mean, I've done. I there's Sam's Club sushi isn't terrible. Like it's not great, but it's it, not terrible. There's worse. So yeah, sometimes it's what you need. Yeah, and there's no shame in that. I mean, every now and again, I need gas station nachos. You gotta. You got to quench those cravings when they there count. is there is a specific kind of basically plastic cheese that you can only get at a gas station at like three in the morning it has to have been at the heater for like a good six eight hours yeah so now you're now you're getting into the guilty pleasure yeah <laughs> everyone's got them it's like it has to have that label that says safe for human consumption <laughs> that's a safe is a broad term right <laughs> <laughs> everyone's everyone's rolled those dice <laughs> there's there's something about it though that satisfies a, a piece of my goblin soul um <laughs> you know <laughs> it, it's like you did you you like resist it for so long and then you break down eventually and you have mm-hmm. squares on it. everybody breaks down eventually there's some guilty pleasure that you could be the most staunch vegan and there's still probably some really bad vegan sausage out there that you have some like hankering for that you still feel bad about yeah i mean just be honest with yourself you know some yeah. things just taste good and you like the way they taste and you need it <laughs> Oh, well, there is one thing that I like to do. I like to make sure that uh, no matter who I'm talking to, I ensure that uh, my guest has plenty of time for any topics that I haven't brought up and discussed uh, or in lieu of that, uh, any shout outs that they would like to make or things that if you want to advertise, if you want to call somebody out on something or if there's a topic that I've missed during this episode, uh, I'm going to give the floor to you. Oh, so you can very kind of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, basically, if you want to if you want to see what I'm all about, I like to draw pictures. I like to make YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel, SPTV. Um, I have a webcomic on exclusively for Instagram. It's kind of a sci fi webcomic called Troglodyte. Um, and you can see all that stuff. Everything I do, you can see on my website, thebenstokes.com. Um, and then one more thing, if I could shout out one more thing and indulge myself, I recently, uh, started a vaporwave lo-fi, uh, streetwear, uh, clothing brand with my friend, but it's called Lunar Island. And if you want to kind of check it out, see what it's all about, you can see it at lunarisland.shop. Um, it's been a lot of fun when this comes out, we're about to do some really fun Halloween stuff. But yeah, when this comes out, it'll probably be Christmas. So maybe it'll be Christmas stuff that we're doing. Who knows? No, there are some really great designs on there. And uh, if you follow either of our Twitters, you'll have seen at least a couple of posts of those by now. Um, yeah, I absolutely love the stuff on Lunar Island. Well-priced and really, really sleek designs. So Thanks. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, there's a um, there's a news, there's a email sign up on each product and you get a 10% coupon for your first order if you sign up for there. So if you guys see something cool, get a nice coupon for you. Jump on it. And you really, really good logo design. Whoever did their logo work, I'm a fan. Oh man, thanks. I'll let them know. I'll let, them, I'll let the designer know. <laughs> well, Ben, it's been an absolute blast having you on. We'll have all of those links uh, in the description. 
Again, it's Benny Beats 111 on Twitter. We'll have YouTube, Instagram, and websites for both uh, ben, thebenstokes.com and Lunaris, or lunarisland.com uh, or .shop down yes, in the sir. description. Thanks. Use the description. Don't list, Don't type while <laughs> listening to me. It's, that is gar- just go in the description, click the link. That's safe. So, <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's uh, been a lot of fun for sure. I yeah. love talking D and D always. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you to Ben for joining. If you enjoyed this episode, consider clicking that star rating or dropping a review out there in your podcast app of choice. It really does help boost uh, this podcast, get it to the algorithm. The algorithm gets it to more people and everybody gets to enjoy a little bit more. So it is really appreciated. All of the links and contact information discussed in this episode can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you'll find that I am most active on Twitter at and dinners. If you're interested in supporting the show or you want to hear the entire back catalog of exclusive bonus content, uh, like today's mini-sode where Ben comes back for some more amazing conversations, or if you just want to help keep this podcast ad-free, consider making a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. If you're looking for other great podcasts to listen to, check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why gaming matters, co-hosted by myself and my dear friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.